So now we're continuing in our series in 2 Timothy. It's titled, Guarding the Gospel. We're going to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 18. It can be found on page 995 in your pew Bible. That is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 18. Hear now the eternal living word of God. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed for my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. And so our series in 2 Timothy is called Guarding the Gospel. And we are going through Paul's final epistle where he's writing from prison as he awaits execution. And in this letter... Paul is passing on the torch of his ministry to Timothy, his young son in the faith. And through this series together, as Paul commands and encourages Timothy for the monumental task ahead, we as the church will see how we too are called to guard the gospel. And so I just entered this week my 20th year of teaching high school. And this past week we had our first week of school. And so the first day and maybe the first few days are sort of routine. Going over the syllabus, going over the rules for the class, what are the expectations. And one thing I like to do is set out, what does it take to be successful in my class? Or what are the characteristics of a successful student? A successful student is respectful and follows the rules. A successful student does their assignment on time and asks questions. A successful student has a desire to learn, not simply wanting to get good grades. And so it's helpful to know what does it take to be a successful student. What are the things I need to know? What do I need to do and to strive for? And so in the same way, the Apostle Paul lays out for Timothy what it takes to endure 
in gospel ministry. As he goes through commanding him and encouraging him to this task of guarding the gospel. And so from our passage this morning, we'll see three characteristics for endurance in gospel ministry. In guarding the gospel as a whole. First, being willing to suffer for the gospel. Second, be ready to communicate the whole truth of the gospel. And third, follow examples of endurance for the gospel. So in the opening of his letter, Paul thanked God for Timothy and his sincere faith. He remembered Timothy's faith was passed on from his grandmother to his mother to Timothy himself. He reminds Timothy to fan into flame this gift of God because God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And so then he concludes from this, the beginning of our passage, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So the word therefore tells us he's giving us the conclusion of what he just said. Because God gave us a spirit not of cowardice, but of power and love and self-control, Paul commands Timothy not to be ashamed of the gospel. Timothy has been equipped with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God within him. So he should not be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Paul wrote something similar about himself in Romans 1. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He actually mentions again in this letter that he is not ashamed. And so Timothy, who's been called to the gospel ministry, needs to be fearless in fulfilling this calling. And then Paul says, nor should Timothy be ashamed of him who is a prisoner. Now, Paul is imprisoned by the Roman authorities, but he knows that he is really a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing happens to him, not even being imprisoned by the Romans without the Lord's will. But nonetheless, it's not quite a simple thing or even safe to be identified with someone who is a prisoner of Rome. To publicly acknowledge that you are associated with a prisoner of the emperor would be courageous. It would be commendable. And so with the power and love and self-control of God that dwells within Timothy, this should give him the guts that is necessary for continuing to boldly proclaim the gospel and to rise to this challenge of even identifying with Paul. So Timothy was a witness with Paul as Paul boldly and selflessly sacrificed himself for the gospel for years. And now it's his turn. And Timothy is commended, commanded not to be ashamed of the gospel or Paul, but to share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And this is our first characteristic for endurance in guarding the gospel, being willing to suffer for the gospel. If we are guarding the gospel, we must be willing to suffer for it because suffering will It may not be persecution on the level where we're risking our lives literally like many do around the world, but it may come with a cost, a cost of losing family members or friends, a cost of giving up comforts or preferences for the sake of the gospel, being outcasted or rejected in social circles that you're used to. It could be considered being weird by neighbors and coworkers. I often get asked, are you, like, really religious? In other words, are you, like, one of those weirdos who goes to church all the time? Now, it doesn't mean we would want to suffer. No one really wants to suffer. 
But we need to be willing to suffer for the gospel if that's what God wills for us. The Scottish theologian Oswald Chambers wrote, To choose suffering means that something is wrong. To choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is a very different thing. No healthy saint ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will, as Paul did, whether it means suffering or not. And so there's a common uh, false teaching that goes about the health and wealth gospel, so-called prosperity gospel. And they're teaching that the gospel removes all of your suffering. That God's blessing upon you means that you'll be healthy and wealthy and prosperous, shielding you from all suffering. But the Bible teaches us something else. That sharing in the suffering of Christ is actually part of the gospel. Jesus himself taught this to his disciples. When he was in the upper room the same night that he was arrested, he said to them, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You'll be hard-pressed to find a godly pastor throughout church history that hasn't suffered for the gospel in some way. Disappointment of the people around them who think they could have used their gifts for something more lucrative or something that comes with more worldly prestige. Attacks of the people all around them from every direction. And it's not just ministers of the gospel. All the people of the gospel, all Christians, will suffer for it in some way. And so there are many people who claim to be Christians that don't talk about it. They don't want to talk about Jesus or the gospel very often because our culture doesn't accept this. People don't want you to talk about religion. As the saying goes, you don't talk about religion or politics. Now, not talking about politics probably is a good idea. But... To not talk about religion is not good at all. To not talk about the gospel is not good for anyone. But many Christians agree to this because they don't want the discomfort that this may cause. They sometimes don't even ever talk about being a Christian or Christ or the gospel of salvation that is only found in Jesus because they don't want the reaction they may get. They don't want the rejection that often comes from it. But you're called to be willing to suffer. For the gospel. You're called to share in the suffering of Christ. Timothy himself was weak and timid, but he is strengthened by the very Spirit of God, who will empower him to endure the sufferings. And so we're also empowered by this very same Holy Spirit. You're not to be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, of, the, of his people, or of the gospel that has been entrusted to the church. We need all of us, to stand strong from any shame that comes from the gospel or being associated with Jesus himself. As we read earlier in our responsive reading from Romans 5, Paul wrote that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. We're not going to look for suffering, but when it comes, Paul tells us we can rejoice because it produces endurance. It's like building up your immune system. No one likes getting sick, especially when little kids get sick. It can be really difficult for parents. 
But there's an upside. Their immune system is being strengthened by fighting off this illness. And our ability to endure in the Christian life is strengthened by suffering. So being willing to suffer is a characteristic for endurance in guarding the gospel. So then in verses 9 and 10, Paul gives a summary of the gospel. This gospel that is worth suffering for. And this actually begins when he states that it's by the power of God that we even share in the suffering for the gospel. And then he says of this same God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So God saved us, and he called us to a holy calling. As I mentioned last week, faith is a gift from God. That means if you have a saving faith, you have been saved by God himself. You have been saved by God from the punishment of your sins. God saved every one of his people from his holy, just wrath that you deserve. But salvation is not simply forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is a crucial part of the gospel, but there's much more than that. You're not only saved from something, you're saved to something. God not only saves you from the punishment that you deserve, but he calls you to a holy calling. The God who saves always calls to a holy life. The Christian calling is a holy calling. God doesn't just forgive your sins in Christ and then let you loose on the world. He calls you to himself. He calls you to holiness. Then Paul mentions at the end of verse 10 that God also gives you life through Jesus Christ. Paul gives the three main components of the gospel here in his little summary. That through faith in Jesus Christ there is salvation, holiness, and eternal life. And it's all through Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And this is what we are to guard as God's people. That salvation is only through Jesus Christ and faith in him. That we are called to be God's holy people. We guard the gospel not only with our words but also with our actions. Rampant sin, mistreatment of others, even grumpiness and general lack of joy these are things that are barriers serious barriers to the gospel for unbelievers you're to live out the gospel you're to be a witness of the gospel both in word and in deed and if that means rejection and suffering then so be it that's what we're all called to do the suffering for the gospel of undeserved salvation holiness eternal life is more than worth it Paul also mentions that we are saved not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. And so this is something that many Christians know on some level, that we're not saved by anything we've done. We stand justified before God only because of the righteous, holy record of Jesus that is transferred to us by faith. But not all Christians always function on this level. 
we can start to think that we deserve God's blessing. We deserve our salvation because of how great we are. But none of us deserve salvation. Any good in us is the work of God in Christ. Any good you do contributes nothing to your salvation. Your salvation is completely of God's grace. It is a gift. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it, not one little bit. The only thing you and I deserve, every one of us, is the wrath of God, eternal punishment. But God, in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite grace, chose a people for himself, for his own glory. And we should remember this, because it's so easy to start walking around like we deserve God's grace. But once you start thinking that you deserve salvation, that you deserve God's blessings, that's no longer grace. That's merit. You're thinking that you've earned it. But we are all, every one of us, completely at the mercy of our creator. You are indebted to him for the grace he has given you in saving you, in calling you to a holy life and giving you the Holy Spirit to give you the power to even be holy and in giving you eternal life in his Son, Jesus Christ, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. God chose all believers in Jesus Christ for salvation in eternity past, before the foundation of the world, before you had done anything good or bad. God elects or chooses people for salvation, not based on anything in them, but solely for his own glory. And the Bible makes this clear. All throughout the Bible, we see God's sovereign election of his people. And it's not based on anything in those people themselves. And so the idea that many people have that good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell, is not the biblical idea on these things. The Bible teaches us that God sovereignly chose a people for himself before the foundation of the world. And in time, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfectly righteous life on their behalf and die on the cross in their place. And he sends us the Holy Spirit. He gives us new life. He changes our hearts so that we will desire him and that we will want to be obedient to him. And then our will is continually being conformed into the image of Christ. Day by day, we are being sanctified in the process of becoming the holy people that God desires. And it's only in Jesus Christ that we are saved, called, given eternal life. It says Jesus abolished death. He defeated death in his life, work, and resurrection. Jesus is our only hope in life and in death. Physical death is no longer something to fear when you're in Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead, and everyone who believes in him will rise from the dead one day too. The eternal life that we are given in Jesus Christ is not only something spiritual. The future resurrection awaiting all who believe in Jesus Christ is a physical resurrection. Heaven is both a spiritual and a physical reality for eternity, where we will be with God and Jesus Christ for eternity. So it's in Jesus Christ that we are to put our faith and our trust. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what we are to guard. That is what we are to suffer for. That is everyone in Christ, you and I, we are called to guard with our actions and our words, being called to a new way of life in Christ. But Paul not only commands Timothy to share in suffering for the gospel, he also says in verse 11, 
Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here Paul commands Timothy to continue to preach and teach the gospel that he has heard from Paul himself. And this is our second characteristic for endurance in guarding the gospel. Be ready to communicate the whole truth of the gospel. Paul commands Timothy to follow the pattern of sound words that he heard from Paul. And this would really include the whole counsel of God. Not simply the aspects of faith that are more palatable in our culture. People are much more ready and comfortable to say and hear things like God is love. But they want to ignore his justice, his wrath. They want to downplay the significance of sin because these truths are uncomfortable. They may bring suffering in some way. And, but the not to do this is not good for anyone. Downplaying any aspect of God and his nature is to downplay the full truth of the gospel. If people don't understand that they are personally a sinner in rebellion against a holy God, they don't understand their need for a savior. To ignore the holiness of God, his necessary justice, his punishment of sin, to ignore his wrath against sin, leaves people thinking that they are doing just fine in life, that there's no problem for them at all. They may think, well, if you're a Christian, that's good for you, but don't force your religion on me. I'm doing fine just the way I am. But these are eternal truths. You don't get to pick your own way to salvation. Every human being is born into sin, and therefore they are in the impossible situation of being reconciled to God themselves. Every single person, regardless of wealth, status in the world, country of origin, is in need of a Savior. And people need to know this. You need perfect righteousness before God. You need a substitute in your place to take the punishment you deserve. You can't continue on as you are. And by just going around speaking partial truths about God without the whole picture doesn't do anyone any good. And this is why we need to be willing to suffer and share in the suffering for the gospel. Because the full gospel is offensive to people. People don't want to think that they deserve God's wrath. They don't want to be looked in the eye and told that they are a sinner in need of grace. That they're not good enough on their own to go to heaven. They reject this notion. They reject the truth of God. They reject his Savior and his gospel. But as the people of God, you and I need to be ready to teach this. But we aren't to be harsh. We're not to be unkind or condescending about it. And Paul gives us the attitude that this is to be done with. He says, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The attitude we have in communicating the gospel is almost as important as the words we're using. You have to be willing to communicate the full truth of the gospel, but to do so in the faith and the love that is in Christ Jesus. And you communicate with the faith that is in Christ when you trust that it is the power of God to convert an unbeliever. You're not going to convert anyone yourself. It's not just choosing the right words that's going to do it. You can only be a tool in the hands of God. God is the only one who has the power to convert. And only God can bring the spiritually dead to life. And so we need to communicate the whole truth of the gospel in faith, knowing that God can and will use our words however he sovereignly chooses. But we're also to communicate the whole gospel with the love that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Jesus didn't hold back in his teachings. 
He openly talked about the peril of sin. He consistently called sinners to repent. That is, he called them to turn from their sins and turn toward God. Jesus taught on hell almost more than anything else he taught on. But he did this out of love. Jesus loved sinners. He cared for them. He healed them. He died a suffering death on the cross for them. So he didn't hold back in his teaching them because he wanted them to know that their situation was dire without them, without him. He wanted everyone to know that although they are unbelievably sinful, they are loved beyond their wildest imagination. Your situation is only dire without Jesus Christ. A life of leaving sin behind and living a life for God is what Jesus calls us to. And so he lovingly taught about hell. He lovingly rebuked and commanded his followers so they would continue to grow in their understanding, grow in their knowledge, grow in their relationship with him. Jesus modeled a life of sacrificial love. And in this life, he was willing to suffer out of love for the lost. He was willing to be rejected so that sinners would be saved. He was willing even to be beaten, mocked, and die a brutally painful death so that through faith in him, you may have eternal life. And this life is for all who believe in him, and it's what we are all called to. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you are saved by grace through faith in him, you are called to be willing to suffer for him and for the message of his gospel. You are called to be ready to communicate the whole truth of this gospel in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And this will bring suffering at times. But we share in the suffering that Jesus suffered himself. Guarding the gospel also means protecting the truth against false teachings. Making sure only the truth of the gospel is being taught to people. And let people know when someone is leading them astray. Guarding the gospel is communicating the whole truth of the gospel and also protecting it against falsehoods. This is what Paul was teaching against, God bless you, in 1 Timothy. He was telling Timothy to ordain elders. And that was primarily their job, to protect the truth of the gospel against false teachers that were surrounding the church in Ephesus. But God doesn't leave us completely to ourselves for this. Paul tells Timothy in verse 14 how he's going to accomplish this. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Being willing to suffer for the gospel is done by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Having the courage to communicate the full truth of the gospel comes from the Spirit of God within us. You'll have the ability to communicate the gospel in its fullness by the Holy Spirit working in you. You will guard the gospel with your words and your actions because God is with you. He's dwelling within you. And those who don't have the Holy Spirit, they won't muster up the courage to do this, nor do they even want to. It's only through the gift of the Holy Spirit by God working in us that we can have what it takes to guard the gospel. So then Paul after exhorting Timothy to endure in guarding the gospel, he then concludes with examples, both of someone who did endure for the gospel and some of those who didn't. Starting in verse 15, he writes, 
You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Among them are Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. First, Paul wrote that Timothy and possibly the whole church in Ephesus were well aware that all in Asia turned away from him. This is most likely because he was arrested by Roman soldiers. Persecution will quickly separate the sheep from the goat. There's no casual Christians, no Christians in name only, in countries where imprisonment and death are the risks of claiming Christ. Paul was abandoned by all who were with him in Asia. And this is what Paul's exhorting Timothy not to do. He wants him to endure. Timothy has to be willing to suffer for the gospel. He has to communicate the whole truth of the gospel, guarding against the weakness of partial truths, the danger of falsehoods. And then Paul even names two of the people who abandoned him, Phagellus and Hermogenes. Paul is saying, don't be like them. They, they are an example of what not to do. But Paul also gives them an example of one who endured, a man named Onesiphorus. He was not ashamed of Paul's imprisonment. He searched for Paul throughout Rome and even found him in the dungeon that he was in. This was a man who remained faithful. He endured and has endurance in guarding the gospel because he continues to live it out. He's willing to suffer for it. Paul is saying this is an example of what to do. Be like Onesiphorus. Don't be ashamed or frightened. The spirit of the living God is with you. Be willing to suffer for the gospel. Be ready to communicate the gospel. And our third characteristic for endurance in guarding the gospel is follow examples of endurance. Paul himself is the epitome of someone who has endured for the gospel. Speaking of the gospel, Paul wrote earlier in verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Paul's whole mission in life is the gospel. It's what God called him and appointed him, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then he wrote in verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul suffers for the gospel. He's writing while he's chained in a prison dungeon as he awaits his execution because of the gospel. And so Paul himself is clearly willing to suffer because he knows that Christ will guard the gospel until that day. God doesn't leave us on our own to guard the gospel. God's not going to get, let his gospel get stamped out. The gospel has lasted 2,000 years because it is God's will that the gospel advances. Human governments, cultures are always going to be against it. But they, are, they stand no chance against God himself. And so until the day Christ returns, the gospel will be guarded through the church by Jesus himself. And so Timothy has these positive examples of Paul and Onesiphorus. Both have endured for the gospel. And so for all of us, we also have 
positive and negative examples of endurance in guarding the gospel. Most of us, unfortunately, know people that left the faith. There are those that fall away from the church. They don't believe. They haven't endured. There are those that aren't willing to share in suffering for the gospel. They don't want to teach the gospel. They leave it behind. And these are sad examples in our lives of what not to do. These are the people we don't want to follow in their footsteps. But most of us have positive examples in our lives of those that have endured in guarding the gospel. Those you may know that at some point in your life or you may know right now that are willing to suffer for the gospel, ready to communicate the whole truth of the gospel, that endure to the end or continue to endure this day. So a great way to endure for the gospel is to follow the examples of those who are faithfully doing so or already have faithfully done so. Those who are saved by God, those called to a holy calling, you are called to share in the suffering of Christ. And the ultimate example to follow is Jesus himself. Jesus, the King of Kings, the eternal Son of God made flesh, wasn't born to an easy life. He was born to suffer for his people. And as we mentioned earlier in the Apostles' Creed, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus is the suffering servant of God who lived a perfectly sinless life but was beaten, ridiculed, and killed as a criminal. And if physical suffering wasn't enough, Jesus was being offered up as a sacrifice on behalf of his people. He was crushed for our iniquities. I mean, the anguish of Jesus is even more profound than a suffering physical death. Jesus took on all of the sins of all who believe in him. So while Jesus hung on the cross, God was cutting him off from the land of the living. God was sending him into exile of hell so that he could make a guilt offering and satisfy God's just demands. So ultimately, the father offered up the son as a true sacrifice, a substitute for the punishment we deserve so that we might enjoy the blessings that only he deserves, eternal life. In bearing God's wrath, Jesus suffered a spiritual punishment so that we don't have to. And for this gospel, there's nothing you shouldn't be able to endure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you knowing that we bring nothing to offer you in our hands. But out of the goodness in you, the love in you, and your sovereign will, you have chosen us to be your people. You have chosen us to eternal life in your Son that we don't deserve. And for this, we are eternally grateful. May your Spirit give us the courage to suffer for the gospel, to be willing to share in whatever suffering may come. May we have the courage to proclaim the whole truth of your gospel and the insight to guard it against falsehoods. And may we cling and follow those examples in our lives of those who have endurance in guarding the gospel. And may we follow the ultimate example of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.